Welcome to Carson Chatter, a podcast focused on Carson City, the people who shape it, and the real estate that defines it. I'm Garrett Lapeer, local real estate agent with Century 21 Jim Wilson Realty. I'm here today with my co-host, Sina Lloyd, Carson City Library Director. We have another great guest on this week's episode, as well as our weekly segments, Community Connections and Lapeer's Corner. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Carson Chatter Podcast. In this week's segment of Lapeer's Corner, I want to talk to you about the residential real estate market here in Carson City. So last week in episode two, we spoke with Nick Morano, who's the city manager for Carson City. And he threw out a number of a little over 3,000 new residential units are going to hit the marketplace over the next two to three years. That means that there's a lot of building going on here in the capital city. Matter of fact, I don't think there's ever been this much building at the same time all in Carson. And I want to talk about what that means to you as a, as a resale, as an existing homeowner. You have a home that you own and you want to sell it. How does the, all this new construction affect you? Because it does affect you, and I think in two separate ways is how it affects you. So let's hop into that. The first effect that I think you'll see from all this new construction going on um, is a longer days on market. So right now, if you want to sell your house in Carson, from the time the sign goes up to actually closing escrow, so moving, getting your, getting your check, is just under 90 days. It's 88 days. You add in all this new construction, I think that's going to add at least 30 days, if not closer to 60 days, to the market time. So from the time that your sign goes in the ground to actually closing escrow, I think we'll be closer to five months than three months once all this new building starts getting going. The second effect that all this new construction is going to have on the resale market, in my opinion, is going to be a softening of the prices. So... If you give a buyer a choice between an existing home and a new home, seven times out of ten, they're going to choose that new home just because it's a new product. No one's ever lived in it. Maybe they get to pick some of the colors and the countertops and the flooring and things like that. That really entices them to want to go down the new construction road rather than existing sale. So as an existing home, how can you compete with that? You can do one of two things. You can throw money at your house in the form of upgrades. So put in a new kitchen, put in new bathrooms, maybe some new flooring. Or you're going to lower your price to to a point to where that buyer is going to look at it and go, you know, I think the better value is the existing home rather than the new construction. So I don't think it's going to be a huge price hit. You know, we're not talking 25% or anything crazy like that. But I do think you'll see prices soften in the existing home sales, uh, meaning that the appreciation isn't going to go up as much. And in some cases, I think you'll see a little bit of a decline just because buyers are going to have a choice that really, quite frankly, they've never had here in Carson. You know, there's always been, Silver Oak's a good example, there's always been one, one subdivision that you could go and, and, and try to try to get a new product in. But really, you know, if you look at Silver Oak, that's kind of one price point. Um, you know, there's not a bunch of uh, new construction in the $250,000 price range all the way up to the million-dollar price range. Well, there's going to be. 
So Lennar's coming out with a new subdivision on the south end of town uh, by the old racetrack. And they haven't released prices yet, but I am assuming that they're going to have at least one or two floor plans that are under three hundred thousand, uh, with the majority of them being somewhere between three to four hundred thousand. Um, and there's going to be condo townhomes that are being built, and I'm sure that price point is going to be a good price point. And there's also going to be a lot of apartments that are being built as well. Obviously, you're not going to be able to buy those; those are just to rent. Um, but the difference with this new construction is it's not going to be just new construction in one price point. It's going to be all the price points that are going to be affected by this. And buyers are going to have a choice to go have a new home built for them for 275000 rather than buying an existing home that's maybe 30, 40 years old. And that is going to have an effect and a real shakeup on our resale market over the next couple of years. So the point to this being is if you've been sitting on the sidelines looking at how much you've gained in equity over the last couple years and contemplating either moving up or moving down, moving out of the area, whatever it may be, now is the best time, in my opinion, that you could possibly do that. Because once this new construction hits, there will be an effect to the resale market. So hope that makes sense. If you have any further questions about that, please feel free to reach out to me at sellingcarsoncity.com. Also want to make mention that Cena will be back with us on our next episode. She's been a little under the weather. Hope she feels better. Um, and we're going to be back with our guest, Brad Bonkowski, um, who is a local real estate practitioner and also a local supervisor. Please stay tuned. Thanks. <laughs> Welcome back. We're here with our guest this week, Brad Bonkowski, who is a uh, supervisor here in Carson City and also a commercial real estate practitioner. And uh, we got some questions for him. Pick his brain a little bit about what's happening in Carson City and, and what's going on in the wonderful world of commercial real estate. Um, Brad, thank you for coming on the podcast. Really appreciate you. Thanks, Garrett. Glad to be here. Thank you for being here, Brad. So can you tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got into real estate and what drove you to run for elected office? Sure. Um, I've been a businessman, self-employed, my entire life. I uh, graduated from high school in uh, Northern California and immediately moved to Reno, where I had some family. Uh, I got a job in, uh, actually with Kafori Armstrong uh, as a printer. I printed their financial statements and did that for about a year and then went to work in a photo lab which I eventually bought in 1986. I had that for about 16 years uh, and during that time in, uh, in the late 80s I bought my first piece of property which was a home and it was a very bad experience for me and so you know I got to thinking at that time that the best way to make sure that that never happened again was to learn more about real estate so I did that and what I found out is that um, you take real estate classes and they basically teach you as you know Garrett they teach you how to take the test and they don't really teach you anything about real estate yep. so you take the test you get your license and then you still have to learn how to conduct business. So it just was one thing that led to another and uh, I never really liked residential real estate uh, because 
being a business person, I was more about the bottom line. So I really gravitated towards business opportunities and commercial real estate. And 20 years later, or 21 years later, that's where I'm still at. Awesome. Wonderful. Now, yeah. What, what do you think is the biggest challenge for Carson City's commercial real estate market in the next two to three years? It's definitely workforce. Um, there are a lot of companies, uh, manufacturers, other businesses that are looking to move to our area from the Midwest and from uh, Southern California for the most part. And we have two issues. First is we don't have a lot of buildings to show them. But secondly, when they do look at our area, they look at our workforce and probably half of them make the determination that we don't have adequate workforce for them to move here. So they either go to Washoe or they'll look at uh, Utah or Arizona. So we're only getting maybe 30 to 40% of the businesses that we could get here because we don't have adequate workforce. Gotcha. So. What are some of the things? And I know, I know this is a problem that's been you've been identified and been um, has been getting worked on by a lot of different people. What are some of the things that are happening to change that and make that a better? Right, there's a collaborative effort going on between WNC and uh, NNDA, which is Northern Nevada Development Authority, which is our local economic development agency, uh, to create workforce curriculum. Uh, certification programs to try to get training, specific training for the manufacturers in our area out to the workforce for either retraining uh, workers or for high school graduates who uh, don't necessarily want to go on to college and get a four-year degree but want to go into the trades and for that they need a, a certification uh, and they don't need four years of college. So it might be a 12-week program, it might be a six-month program. Gotcha. Okay. Okay, so how do we attract young business pr people to choose Carson City instead of Reno or other areas around us? Well, you have to create things for them to do that they enjoy. The one thing that Carson currently has is outdoor recreation, and so we are working on that. We have a world-class trail system, um, we have Lake Tahoe, but that's only a piece of it. You also have to have an appropriate nightlife for younger uh, people, and that's what Carson City has lacked. So that's part of why, uh, just a, a component of, of why I think that the quarter improvement projects, starting with downtown Carson, uh, are going to change the face of Carson City because that's going to allow the business community to partner with city governance uh, to really uh, bring a more um, economic drive to Carson City and hopefully uh, create more of a nightlife so that younger people will want to be here and not go to Reno. I know my personal experience, I have three kids, and uh, two of them live in Reno, and I'd love it if I could get them to move back here, but, you know, they want things to do. 
that's you know obviously uh, something that, that that I've dealt with for a long time. You know, my my age group feels the same way. You know, and, and the options that are out there, you know, really kind of consist around around bars and and, and having having uh, some different choices to choose from. You know, yeah, and, and bars are certainly a part of that. Restaurants are certainly a part of that. Um, but that, that 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 brings up a good point as far as those young people being able to be here. How can they afford to be here, and how does the affordability for for residential housing affect getting those young people to be here? Well, we're still very affordable compared to other places that they might be looking at. We're less expensive here than in Reno or even North Valleys. Now, uh, we're definitely less expensive than California. Um, so. The affordability is there, the availability is not right now. We have a lack of housing, there are several projects that are in the pipeline that should be coming out of the ground shortly that will help with that, but it's not just about the 1,500 square foot single family home on a quarter of an acre. We have to have uh, townhouses, condos, uh, apartments, we need a variety of housing and we really need downtown housing. Yes. Uh, that is something that I believe will attract uh, a younger demographic because they want to be able to walk to the bar or the restaurant or down to McFadden Plaza where they can just hang out or over at the Firkin on the patio by the fire pit, you know, so that they can walk, they can have a few drinks, they're not, you know, they don't have to worry about getting a, a ride home, they can walk home. So all of these components need to be worked on, which, which we are. Uh, and it's going to be nice to see them start to come to fruition over the next four or five years. I, I think you hit the nail on the head there. So, along with being a along with being in commercial real estate, you're also a supervisor. So in Carson City, there's four supervisors and a mayor, and that makes up the governing board for for the city. Just in case people didn't know that, yeah. How has being a supervisor been different than what you imagined it would be when you got into office? First, if we have enough time. First, <laughs> first it's more work uh, than, than I think people would imagine. And I did a lot of research into the supervisor position before I ran for office. Uh, I talked to um, all the mayors that I could, all the supervisors that I could who had served in the past. So I thought I had a pretty good idea of what I was getting into, but it is, it's a full-time job. Um, it, there's a lot more to it. You know, generally the public sees you at the Board of Supervisor meetings on the first and third Thursdays of every month. Our meetings run anywhere from six to 10 hours. That's what the public sees, but I'm on seven different committees in addition to the Board of Supervisors. Those all have agendas and, and meetings uh, and then there's public outreach that all of the supervisors do although the mayor does ten times more than the supervisors do on public outreach uh, so number one it's it's the time involved number two it's how complex everything is uh, there is so much to learn you know with a city of 55,000 people it literally takes you one to two years just to get up to speed on everything that the city's doing and how it works and what your part is and how you interact with the other supervisors and staff. So, you know, you get elected for a four-year term and 
it takes you one or two years just to get up to speed and then for me year three was about really knowing what's going on and setting goals looking for the gaps where I felt like things really needed to be addressed and then going out and setting up meetings coming up with plans and trying to take on those tasks and see them through uh, to some sort of resolution and so now I'm finishing my fourth year and we have gotten a lot done in the last few years but not everything that needs to be addressed so you know I'm, I'm in this for four more years and uh, I've got it planned out the really the areas that I really want to tackle I've already started working on them and so you try to work backwards to make sure that you get those solutions in place and working before you're out the door so, right. so for me as supervisor, that's that's been it. You know, that's really what I what I want to see for myself. Gotcha. Tell tell us a little bit if you, if you care to elaborate a little bit more about some of those areas that you, that you uh, want to focus on and, and make some improvement in. Sure. The the biggest project is um, is an asset management uh, uh, project. Right now, the way it works for the city's assets, which would be buildings, fleet, equipment. Um, you know, every year we go through the budget process, and if there is any unallocated funds, then we match that up with what we call our CIP program, which is our capital improvement program. And we try to prioritize everything on the capital improvement list, and there might be 300 items. And we may have enough money to address the first four, five, six, or seven. So you can see right away that that's not a good system. So what I'm trying to do working with staff and the city manager is to take our maintenance program and make it part of the budget on an ongoing basis and to take the, the politics and the economy out of it. So if we can, uh, if we can build it into the budget rather than have to try to prioritize tasks every year and then we can find the appropriate permanent funding to address this, that's the foundation. Once you do that, then you have to catalog all your assets, you inspect them so you know the condition, and then you do a 30-year capital reserve study so that you know the lifespan of all of your assets when they need to be replaced or repaired. You build that all into that 30-year budget, and then you just amortize that over the 30 years so you know how much money you need to fund every year. Then you're taking care of things when they need to be taken care of and not when the economy says that you can do it or politically when, uh, when you get pressure to do it. I know that's music to Cena's ears. You know, you know, yeah, and, 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 and that's where I think... You you stand out from the crowd. Is 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 you're looking ten years, twenty twenty years down the road, where you know so many people in in, in the local uh, business scene, the local political scene, you know, are looking two years down the road, three years down the road, and and, and you're exactly right. You budget it out. You can make things happen if you really plan for that. You know, that's I'm glad you brought that up because for me, I think that I'm in a unique position as supervisor because I am self-employed, so I don't have a boss. Uh, 
who I am accountable to is to the taxpayers, but I can take the long-term view and try to solve problems. I don't really have to worry about if I'm irritating somebody or if somebody doesn't agree with what I'm doing, because that happens every day when you're supervisor. So I can kind of look beyond that and look for long-term sustainable solutions and try to put those in place. Uh, so you know, I think I've been really, really fortunate to uh, be in a position where I really don't have to worry about any outside pressures. I mean, really, there's nobody that can pressure me to do anything that I don't think is the right thing to do. Right, right. That's good. That is. Okay, so the last question that we'll ask and we'll ask every guest is if there was no limitations, what is one big audacious goal you have for Carson City? That's a tough question. Um, there's, there's a lot of stuff, uh, but if I had to name one goal, it would be to, before I'm out of office, that I want to get the systems in place that are basically semi-permanent so that they are sustainable and they allow the city to run efficiently and to take care of its priorities without outside influences. So I guess my goal would be to depoliticize the political side of Carson City. <laughs> uh, you know, if I can do that, then I can ride off into the sunset and, and, and be happy with, uh, with what I've been able to do and go back to just being a business person again. There you go. There you go. Oh, yeah. Real quick, we've got, we've got another minute here. Um, what is, what's the one thing about the commercial real estate market here locally that really has you excited? The one thing about the commercial real estate market here is that it's becoming diversified. Uh, in the past, Nevada's been known for basically very negative things, gaming, drinking, um, but now, uh, especially because of what's going on in Story County, we're becoming the industrial hub of the western region. Uh, part of that is because of our location geographically. We're centrally located for the entire western United States. So you can get to seven different states with uh, one day trucking here. So from the logistics standpoint, this is where people want to be. The tax, uh, the tax advantages of being in Nevada are significant. So we have a really wonderful business climate, and we have the added bonus of being next to the largest economy, probably the seventh largest economy in the world, being California. Right. So people want to have the business climate in Nevada, but have the client base of California. So that's where uh, I really see us shining over the next few decades is uh, in our diversification in our ability to be the business hub of, of the West. Do you think that there's a business or an industry that has a lot of room for growth here locally in this area? Military has always been big, especially with the, the, the drone programs now. You know, we're, uh, we have the largest drone pro program in the country uh, for testing and research and development. Logistics again, so uh, data uh, call centers, uh, really big. Uh, you know, Apple and Google are here, Amazon is here. Uh, I 
know that there's three or four others that are out there right now looking. Of course, Switch just got here, uh, which is huge. Switch maybe end up being bigger than Tesla. Right. Exactly, and, and the, the, those people don't realize how big those database centers really are. You know, you look at the buildings, and, and you know they may not create a ton of jobs, but there are jobs that that, that, that come along with that. Um, I, I think technology, you know, something that's been brought up a lot of trying to attract young people, uh, young tech entrepreneurs, and and um, I think that that's a good goal, especially with our proximity to the Bay Area. You know, um, people say that that Reno could become the new Silicon Valley. Now, and certainly, you know, Carson's going to get a trickle-down effect from some of that. Absolutely. Okay. Well, thank you very much. I really appreciate you coming on. Uh, I mean, I've known you for a long time. I, I think the world of you. I think you're. I think you're the smartest real estate guy that I've ever talked to. Period. And um, um, you certainly have my support and my vote uh, this November. Thank you. thank you again for listening to this episode of Carson Chatter. You can subscribe via SoundCloud or iTunes by searching Carson Chatter Podcast. When you do, please leave a review as it makes it easier to find us. And please engage with us on social media. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram by simply searching Carson Chatter Podcast. You can also email us at carsonchatterpodcast at gmail.com. See you again soon, and don't forget to tell a friend about this podcast.